Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. Good morning, everybody. This is Lorraine, and once again, we are going to be talking about building a business. Um, on the Twitter keyboard this morning, good morning, Allison. Good morning. If you guys want to post a comment or ask a question um, directed at Roundpeg or simply use the hashtag MTFW, we'd love to hear from you. You can also call into today's program at 805-285-9865. But enough about the details and the administrative stuff. Let's get on to the show. My guest this morning is Nancy Lee. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Lorraine. Nancy, I am uh, well, I'm excited on lots of reasons. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Nancy, you don't follow her on Twitter or Facebook, Nancy is a jewelry designer, and um, I often get a lot of comments on this great necklace I wear, and it is a Nancy Lee design. Thanks, Lorraine. <laughs> but this morning we're going to talk less about jewelry. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about your jewelry later, but more about the process of how you kind of made this transformation. So why don't we start, just real briefly, tell people what you were doing when somebody else was writing your paycheck. <laughs> right. I was in corporate America, and I worked for a property management company, and within that company there was a construction management branch, and I was a construction manager for several years. So that is a... Uh, that's a pretty far distance to go from construction manager to not just jewelry designer as a hobbyist, but jewelry designer as, as a business. So um, what were some of the first steps that you took as you kind of started making this transition? Well, it wasn't as big of a stretch as you might think. A lot of people are underground hobbyists of one kind or another. And uh, I had been making jewelry for 20 years already uh, by the time I ventured into my own business. Um, and I had been making metal jewelry for, you know, about 10 years or so. And I had always dreamed of taking my business full-time anyway. And then an opportunity opened up, and it was earlier than I expected, but I felt like it was my chance, and I stepped into it. So as you kind of started making this transition, what were some of the first resources that you sort of reached out to, organizations that provided help, tools that were really critical as you were making this transition? Uh, my first access to really awesome help was through Business Ownership Initiative, and they have a business beginnings course, which I signed up for. Uh, which was several weeks long, and you have a workbook that you can work in, uh, work your assignments in, and then go to the class each week. And uh, each week they presented, a different presenter came and spoke with you about their experience in business, whatever aspect of business it was. And then I also signed up for multiple other classes along the way, and I really gained a lot of perspective and helped develop my business plan by doing that. 
You know, I, uh, I I'm going to reiterate your plug for the um, for the BOI. I think their website is still um, NSI dot biz because it used to be the Neighborhood Self Employment Initiative. Um, yeah. But uh, they do a really good job of providing uh, low cost and free advice. They complement the efforts of the Small Business Development Center. Um, so that's, I think that they do a really nice job of getting people started. What were some of the things that you learned early that you maybe didn't expect? Oh, uh, so much. <laughs> the importance of a business plan, you know, uh, it, it's really a very, very good lesson in thinking through all aspects of your business and, and writing them down on paper and it becomes it's, it really becomes a reality and I saw pretty quickly where my strengths were and where my weaknesses were it, so it was a very good exercise and also if you don't feel like you have the time Lorraine you had mentioned one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting they will meet with you one-on-one -on -one if you don't have time for an eight-week class or something like that uh, there are lots of ways you can get help without taking a class. But I think the, um, the the important lesson there is really recognizing that you need the foundation, that, that making that transition um, from project manager. I mean, you were managing budgets. You were, you were doing a lot of um, business management things, but it's still, I think, um, a different conversation when it's your own business. Absolutely, Lorraine, because when you go to work for a company, they typically provide you the template and you execute their plan. Uh, you may put your own personal stamp on things and do things in, in your own way, but when I decided to take my business full time, I was really without a template and I didn't really know anyone who was doing exactly what I was doing. Uh, my my work is very labor intensive, so I had to really understand cost benefit analysis of making certain items, whether or not I could really make money on those items, and really uh, understanding getting that template was one of the best things I did. And I think um, that cost benefit analysis that you're talking about is probably the thing that I see with small business owners. The biggest mistake that they make is that they don't value their time enough. Um, you know, they, they, they look at the finished product and they think, oh, I can't charge that for that piece. But based on the amount of time that they spent on it, if it's going to be a business, they really have to. <laughs> You're so right. I, I People have no real concept of the value of their time and really I, I would like to spell this out most especially to women. Uh, women who go into business for themselves do not as a general rule value their time as highly as do men and that is not correct. Uh, women are do everything and we need to value our time. So, uh, you know, um I, I've been doing this 11 years, and I think I have finally gotten over um, that deficiency in my skill set. But I, I, I've seen that in just about every women business, uh, woman business owner I've ever met. 
um, when they start out, um, they we have this nurturing gene and we think we can't charge that much because we want to help people and we don't realize the damage that we're doing to ourselves by not valuing what we do. That's right. If you want to maintain any kind of a standard of living, you have to make a living wage and you have to charge what you have to charge. That's the bottom line. You know, um, we were talking, I'm going to switch off pricing for a minute, and I'm going to switch to this idea of investing in your business. Because clearly, you you do have to make some investments. But you had an interesting perspective when you started out. Some of the investments that you made, um, let's talk about some of the things you did that were good and some of the things that if you could go back and change, you would change. Uh, I would say some of the very best investments that I made were on brand, it, getting a brand and developing my brand uh, and paying someone to design a logo uh, and have it be something that I still love today. That was a really good investment is, is because I can use that logo on everything and it, you know, it's, paired with my name, and I, I think that was a good investment. Um, I invested in some proper bench equipment and a proper workbench. I had used makeshift benches before, and really the foundation of what I do happens on my workbench. So I invested in a workbench, and that was smart. Um, I also thought I was going to be teaching a lot of classes, and so I invested in classroom equipment so that I could teach up to six people at once, that wasn't such a wise investment because no. the uh, amount of time that it took me to promote the classes and get people to my location and everything, uh, the classes didn't always fill up. They weren't the right times for people. Investing in workstations for six wasn't the best thing. Uh, where my business has gone now is I teach privately and I teach two people maximum, and uh, so I have, I, I overbought on the equipment, and unless you already have some sort of a pathway for people to get to you and come to your physical location, that is probably not the best way to invest your money, and I, I, as I had read later, um, your business always changes from what you think it's going to be. So you have to keep yourself open to moving towards those avenues of your business that actually produce income. You know, uh, when I look at, at Round Peg today, it is totally not the business that I thought it was going to be. And you know what? It's not the business that it was five years ago. So... <laughs> You know, I mean, there's certain investments that, that that I think were good investments, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, uh, there are certain uh, certain things that I invested in that um, I still open a drawer and go, "Wow, I still have 300 of those." Uh, <laughs> yep. Do you need two or three hundred copies of a, a? You know, you talked about the fact that business plans are important. Would you like two or three hundred copies of my book? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, today I distribute that online. So, and, and of course, I wouldn't have anticipated that um, uh, five years ago. 
Exactly, and I don't think a whole lot of people did. And, you know, everybody's got that drawer full of whatever that they thought was a smart investment. And so people shouldn't feel bad uh, because that is part of business growth. <laughs> yeah, when, when you're setting your first-year budget, you need to you need to carve out 10 or 15% for stuff that just isn't, you know, just, just expect that it's going to be a waste and move on. Exactly. Exactly. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> so, um, did you say something interesting about the fact that you thought you would be um, teaching more of these group classes? And so you invested in the equipment and then you invested in the marketing. At what point did you let go? You know, when, when you had an idea for your business and that part of the business wasn't working, how did you decide, you know, how did you sort of decide to let it go and, and kind of what was the thought process there? Well, I, I've gotten better and better about letting go of my ideas and those little gems that I think are awesome a lot quicker than I used to. And that one was the first big one that I let go of. And really, I don't know how long it took, Lorraine, but um, as I reviewed the amount of time I was spending and the return I was getting, it's like, okay, what what would it look like to let this go? And I wrote it out, and I thought it out, and I felt a sense of relief. And I thought, you know, this this wasn't the best way for me to go. I'm going to go in another direction. And I felt a sense of relief, and it felt right, and that's what I did. And, you know, I, I think that question of what would I do with my time if I wasn't doing this? is an important question to ask. Exactly, exactly. And actually what opened up after that was I started getting a lot more custom work. I mean, almost immediately I started to get a flood of custom orders, and really that's the mainstay of my business now, custom orders and private lessons. And you would not have had time to t take on all that custom work if you were still trying to sustain the unprofitable um, uh, business model of running large classes. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you started doing this out of your home, and you, you still do some work there, but it's at, at, uh, there was a point at which you made the transition down to the um, – uh, I don't know what that building is called, that, the office complex. Circle you are City there. Industrial Complex. Circle City Industrial Complex. And I'm going to put a plug in here right now. If um, you're in the Indianapolis area, um, first Friday, everybody thinks of Mass Ave and Fountain Square, and I'm going to tell you that there's some amazing art, not just Nancy's, which is always my first stop at the Circle City building, but there's wonderful galleries, um, photography and art, and they're they're adding new artists. It seems like every every month that we come back for First Friday, there are new artists in the building. Circle City. Yeah, thanks. Oh. Uh, Lots of new artists. Lots of new things to see every month. It is, um, is, is that 10th Street or Mass? It, it's, it's east of Mass Ave. What's the street that runs in front of the building? That's Brookside. So if you uh, if you're on Mass Avenue and it goes in at the north end, it goes into 10th Street. You can turn there, turn right or east. 
and go underneath the bridge, and then <clears throat> Brookside it will be on your left. Mm-hmm. In the building, if you turn left on Brookside, that's a one-way street. The building is huge. It's about a mile long, brightly colored turquoise and yellow and red, and you can park uh, for free in the parking lot across the street. And there are uh, two different entrances where you can go in and access the artist studios. And uh, the main entrance is near the blue postal mailbox, and it'll be signed. And then there's a south studios entrance, also with art studios, which is south of the main entrance. It's um, it is it's wonderful. It's it's, it's a, a nice mix of art. Um, Paul DeAndrea, who's one of our favorite photographers, is based down there. It's uh, there's always something new and interesting going on, so it's a great location. But now that we've done the plug for the Circle City building, making the decision to to move, what were some of the things that you weighed as you thought about? Because initially you were sharing space there, and then you got your own space. <laughs> that It was really sort of providence that the whole thing happened because, believe me, when I was – working corporate, uh, I often thought about taking my business full time and there was so much fear around it. Well, what happened was, is I had uh, my art studio little area in the garage and uh, we had a freak windstorm about four years ago. I don't know if anybody remembers the Regents Bank building. Uh, There was a wind shear and windows burst from the building and uh, trees were downed all over the city, power lines were downed. And a tree fell right over my workbench, and it sheared off the side of the garage. And so I was involved in showing a piece at a show at the complex, and I had nowhere to work. And uh, Waglaku of Waglaku Studio and Garage invited me to share a a three-foot-wide swath of his woodworker's bench, and I brought I shoehorned myself in there for almost a year before I was able to lease my own space. And now I've hopscotched all over the building, and I've got two workspaces. Uh, I've got a workspace and a small gallery space now. And um, would you know? Uh, and, and of course, you know, some of that kind of happened by accident, but. Um, uh, Advantages to being in a shared space and not, besides the fact that a tree fell on your garage, um, what are some of the advantages of not doing this from your home anymore? Uh, I think focus is a really good uh, advantage to not having your workspace in your home. Uh, It feels pretty serious when you sign a lease and you pay money every month to have a workspace. And that sort of gets you focused on, okay, I've got this space. I'm going to use it and get my value out of this workspace. So, you know, valuing what you have committed to and getting yourself out of your routine, out of, you know, oh, I'll just throw in a load of laundry. Oh, I'll just do up these dishes. Or, oh, I'll just start this pot of soup. It, it gets you away from those everyday routines, and when you go into your workspace, you go in there and you work and you produce. And for me, that was a big, um, big bonus. I, 
I had very much the same transition when we moved, um, in, you know, out of the house and into, and into the office here. Um, I also think that um, other people looked at me like a more serious business when there was a place that they could come. Yeah, I think it really helps that I have uh, a dedicated working studio and I have a small dedicated uh, gallery and showroom. And in the showroom, I meet clients. I show them my work. I also have some art on display, and they can take a tour of my studio, which is directly across the hallway, where I it's a lot bigger, and I make everything there. And um, the the fact that you show off work by other artists um, that's a really interesting. Um, uh, phenomenon. I, I noticed it a lot in the art community, and specifically in um, in that Circle City building. Um, how do you kind of leverage that network between artists? What you know? What are some of the advantages um, and some of the disadvantages of hanging out in a building filled with artists? Well, really, um, it, it, it's just it's a unique working environment. If you can catch someone who's in there at the same time you are, it's great to be able to say hello and have that social aspect. But honestly, Lorraine, when I'm in the building in my studio and my head is down at the bench, it's very, very solitary. So even though it's a huge, vast building, when my, my door is closed and my head is down, it's just me. And so if I avail myself to walking, you know, up and down the hallways, uh, I may run into someone. But typically it's a, it's a pretty solitary thing, and I like both aspects. I really like solitary, uninterrupted time at the workbench, and then when I'm away from the bench, it's great to run into people. Awesome. So what's next? Um, I've sent you a couple of emails, and I get these cryptic notes back about a book that you're working on. <laughs> That's true, and it's a big secret. But I can tell you that I am writing a book, and I have a deadline that is coming up in uh, two weeks. And the book will be out in August or September of 2013. Uh, I have a publisher, and um, that's about all I can say about it. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, not even a hint on whether it's about business or art or no teasers here. It's a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we are going to um, hold you accountable once you have gotten over your code of silence that you'll need to uh, uh, come back and tell us more about it. I would be delighted and honored. Thank you so very much, Lorraine. And I think that's um, kind of an interesting uh, sort of transition because uh, that's kind of on the horizon. Once that's done, what else? What are the are you looking beyond the uh, turning the book over to your publisher? Yes, um, I I really would like to uh, teach a couple of workshops outside of Indiana. And so that is on my horizon. It might not happen until 2014, uh, but I but that is definitely on my horizon. So uh, once 
I've got my book submitted. I'm going to work on uh, getting back into touch with all of my patient clients who have been waiting for custom work and creating new work. I have a show coming up uh, also in uh, Columbus, Indiana, called Deja Vu on October the 17th. So I'll be creating some new work of recycled materials for that show and uh, refocusing on the actual creation of work. So um, for you, it, it, I guess it's the same challenge that pretty much any business owner has is, is finding the, the balance, finding time to work on the business, and then also finding time to work on what it was you went in business to do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you're only one person, so you really have to look at your network of help. Ask for help, whether you do trades, whether you, um, you know, swap work or pay real money or whatever. You, you have to develop some sort of a network for help. Even if you have a really small business, you can't do everything and do it all well. Uh, which is one of the reasons I very early on outsourced my payroll, um, hired someone else to do my bookkeeping. I can do it, but it's not its not the best use of my time. Um, exactly. I, I make more money when I'm doing what it is I do and paying someone else to do the things that, let's face it, I don't really love. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. Yeah, you know, it's, it's my apologies to all the accountants out there. I don't really get excited about that. Um, <laughs> Nancy, if people want to um, see samples of your work, where can they see some of it? They can go to my website, which is www.indesignmetal.com, and I have a gallery tab and a shop tab. So I have a few things in my shop right now. It does need to be repopulated, but I've got a lot of my work on the gallery page. So you'll see a lot of it there. I also have a Facebook page, uh, Nancy Lee Designs. Of course, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Nan Lee, N-A-N-L-E-E, -E is my Twitter tag. And I have an Etsy page. The, the real Nancy Lee Designs is on Etsy as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you know, because I haven't had a lot of um, artists on the show, I, I haven't uh, seen too many people using Etsy. Let me ask you kind of a quirky, oddball uh, social media question. Have you looked at all at Pinterest? Does that make any, I mean, are you considering doing anything with that? I do have an account on Pinterest, and that is something that, I think once the book is all taken care of and wrapped up and delivered to my editor, that's something I'd like to get into a little bit more. Um, at the, in the beginning of my business, I spent a great deal of time developing my website and doing social media and getting a newsletter template designed and all of that. And over the last uh, year or so, I've kind of let some of that uh, slide and I really love it, so I want to get back into that some more. Awesome! Oh, I'm so excited! I um, I, I'm looking through your gallery and I found my piece. Oh yeah, Venus. That's a, that yeah. was a, such a beautiful, unique piece. Yeah. Uh, so if, if anybody looks, 
uh, it is one, two, three, four, fourth row up on the right, yes. Um, though it's really cool to see um, how much your art has sort of changed. Um, and and, uh, and I think your business along with it over the years. It has. It has changed a lot. And one of the big things for any of you artists out there, photographs say so much about your work. And uh, you can see at the bottom of the gallery page, those are my early photos. And you can just look and see at the difference in the quality of uh, photography as time goes on. And uh, a plug to Paul DeAndrea, he has been the very best photos on there are the ones that Paul DeAndrea has taken. It really helps. Um, is, like you said, to have someone who can help you display and show off what you do. Um, I cannot believe that we are almost out of time. Um, I want to thank you so much for, um, for spending some time with us. I think there's some really good lessons here for um, anyone who's thinking that they want to turn that hobby um, into a business. It has been a it has been a great pleasure being here, Lorraine, and I totally support all of you, uh, it, creative individual business owners out there to develop your business. Awesome, Nancy. Thanks so much. Good luck with um, First Friday this Friday and the show down in Columbus. Um, if you're interested in seeing more of Nancy's work, definitely get out and see it in person. If you think it looks pretty on the site, it looks great in person, especially when I'm wearing it. Um, <laughs> and if you'd like to learn more about business, marketing, um, small business planning, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.